0: You will never experience greater things until you start with what we're going to hit today. Never. It's not an option. It's not on the radar. It's, it's not before you. It's impossible. Greater things start with your worship with God. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for what we just did. I mean, we stood, we sang, we praise God. And for so many people, they would stand back and say, I worshiped God. And I'm going to show you today that worship is not just what we just did. And you you go through scripture and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you guys on a journey of worship. I'm I'm going to show you what it is. And, And a lot of people have the idea that this is worship. And when we find in the Bible, we find more people on their face before God. Speechless. In the presence of God, humbled in the presence of God, broken, spilled out, surrendered before God. If you don't have that, this becomes very repetitious and empty. The Bible said, and, and I'll give you this launch right here in John 14, and we're, we're going to be studying a number of passages and I'm going to take you guys to those and I, I want you guys to take these in but I've got to take you on a little journey so if you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke 7 and, and I'll have the guys uh, kind of catch up with me on the screen so that I, I can bring you up to Luke 7 we're going to close with this powerful illustration of worship when Jesus made this promise he said, verily, verily, I say to you he that believeth on me and the works that I shall do and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father and I explained this last week we don't exceed the power of God. God just said, I'm, I'm leaving this world and I'm leaving you here and I'm going to equip you with power and I'm going to equip you with vision and go out, preach, start churches, preach the gospel, call people under God. Those were the greater works that he's called us. He, 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 he doesn't, he's not okay with us existing or going through the motions or being comfortable or settling for average. We've got to break that idea down in our mind that having okay marriage is okay with God or being a passive Christian. God has called us to be passionate and excited and stirred and motivated. During the Christmas season, I was in and out of the stores. And something happened to me. And I I mean, this happens all the time that I see something. And maybe none of you have noticed this. And maybe I'm just weird in my brain for thinking this. So go up the register and I slide my card and they said, um, that's not how we do it anymore. And I said, what do you mean? And the lady asked me this question. She said, do you have the chip? And I said, do I have the chip? She says, now on your credit card, there's a little microscopic chip. And she said, you got to scan the chip. She said, you got to scan your chip. She said, we no longer slide cards. You, you have to scan your chip. I'm sitting there feeling all weird. Like, you know, like, is it in the back of my hand? You know, it's like... <laughs> I mean, I know we. it's like, ah, it's not there. Can I tell you guys, it's going there. It's going there. It's it's happening right before our eyes. Our world is changing. Our nation is changing. And churches are in trouble. And you say, let's charge out to the world. God says, no, start at the altar. Start at my feet. Start in your worship. Start in your brokenness. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 4 year of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That greater promise, that greater that he said will be with us until the end. God did not say when things get tough, I'll, I'll, I'll step out and then I'll come back. That's not what he said. This is, we've got to get this. He's greater than our circumstances. He's greater than our problems. He's greater than the false religions that are right down the street from our church. He has greater joy and greater satisfaction than anything. And, and I, I, that's, I, it's up there because I want you to get it. We're going to preach and we're going to teach and we're going to focus. And the last thing you said, greater impact. What is that? It's coming. Guys, we, we did a step of faith. Sometimes God has you get out of the boat to do something different. We moved our drama to Easter, and I'm telling you, I'm not going to sit there and say, well, I hope it's a good one. No, it's going to be the best one. It's got to be, because God's about to take us home, and we've got to do the work. God's given us a plan and a vision and an angle and an excitement. Man, I'm excited about it. God has called us to do great things for Him. The question is, where do you start? Where do you start? We start just like the banner says. We start in our worship. We start on our faces. We start with our relationship with God. Our study will be in Luke 7, but I'm going to take you guys on a journey and introduce worship. I want you guys to see why it's not working or what we get off on. And I'm, I'm going to take you to some passages that are going to, like the one in Revelation, shook me. That I was like, I never noticed that in all my years of studying. I've never noticed that. It started in Matthew 14 a couple of weeks ago when I was preaching, and the Bible says they were on a ship, and Jesus walked on water, and then Jesus got in the ship, and they realized this. When they saw, and it sunk into their minds, this is the Son of God. Do you know what they did at that moment? They fell on their faces, and they worshipped God. I thought, you know, I wonder why we don't have our altars or our prayer that brokenness of casting i I think we don't get our god i mean we talk about it it's it's we we think a lot of god but i don't i don't know if we get this because every time we we find that encounter with god we find worship following i looked up that word in this passage looked up the 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 definition here it means this and i'll read this definition means to kiss like a dog licking his master's hand, to fawn or, or crouch, means to prostrate ones and homage, to reverence, to adore, to worship. We don't read in that boat that anybody stood and said, "Let's all stand now and sing out. It's not even found in there." I, I, I don't find anything even related to that. When they recognized Jesus as God and they fell on their faces. They placed their attention on Jesus. They humbled himself at his feet. They worshipped him as their God. Because here's, here's what I learned in this study. Worship is part of our makeup. I, I, I honestly didn't get this before, but the thing is, it's in all of us. The same way if you were to take a dog or, or take any kind of pet and you realize what it is. A dog has, a, a, the nature of a dog is to bark. A dog can see a squirrel and start barking. A dog can see a cat and start barking. You can have somebody come up to your door and it's going to start. You don't have to teach it. You don't have to tell it. It's in its DNA. It's in its makeup. that That's the reaction, what it does. You guys realize for us as human beings, and I used to say as Christians, but I'm going to tell you guys as human beings, we all were created with the idea or the objection or the goal To worship. Colossians 1.16, the second part, all things were created by him and for him. It is in us. We were created in the image of God for the purpose of God to worship God. You know, how I can prove that. Look what we're going to do for all of eternity. We're going to worship God. Now, please get what I'm saying. I'm not every saying that everybody worships God, but everybody worships something. The desire in every human being on the planet Go ahead, Richard, start with those. You look across our world. Every man, woman, child that lives on this planet has the inner desire to worship. Nations that have no clue who God is have their own gods. They worship rocks. They worship statues. They worship trees. They worship man. They worship cows. They worship volcanoes. No one has to tell them to do it. They have found and discovered civilizations and places where no man has ever been. And the one thing that you're going to find inside that civilization is some form of idol, a rock, a statue, or a person that they are bowing down and worshiping. Think about even the days of Elijah. When Elijah was standing there presenting before them the one and true living God. And they were in such desperation to get a hold of their false God that they believed it so much that they were cutting themselves that the what blood was pouring over the altar. Let me, let me take it to the next level. Let me say, here in America, we still have the same thing. It's a different kind of worship. Crowds gather by tens of thousands to, close, to be close to a stage or a singer. They scream, they reach out. They, they, they freak out just to, just to have somebody reach out and touch them. We plaster their pictures on their wall, their pictures on our kids' lunch boxes and backpacks and, and all, all over. And it, 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 we sing it, we go to bed with it, we wake up with it, we think about it, we crave those things. Worship is literally to give your reverence, to adore, to give your attention, to admire. It's an internal instinct. The sad thing is, All those pictures that I just showed you, none of them will ever be fulfilled with the true form of worship. They will bow down, they will scream, they will cry, they will seek, they will ask, and they will be empty. It goes for us as well if we do not get our focus on the only thing that we can worship that gives us satisfaction back. That is all things were created by him and for him. The world doesn't get what's missing. They go through the motions, they go through all this, they have this internal desire, and they don't understand why. It's, it's this internal magnet that is drawing every man to something. Every man on this world, every woman on this world is craving that one thing, greater They worship a God that they cannot see. They worship something that they don't even know. Uh, to, To prove it, in Acts chapter 7, verse 22, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that all things you do too are superstitious. For I pass by and behold your devotion. Listen, your devotion. Your dedication. Your worship. I held your devotion. found an altar with the inscription, listen to this, To the unknown God. Whom therefore you ignorantly worship. Him I declare unto you that God. That God made the world. And all the things therein. Seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth. Dwelling not in the temples made with hands. They worshipped. An altar. A God. And they said we don't even know who he is. Or where he is. But we so desperately want to know. Who God is. This. Is the world that we live in? The world has such drastically misdirected worship. But I'm going to show you a convicting passage that hits home right with us. In Revelation 22, verse 8, and I saw these things and heard them. And when I heard them, you can imagine John the Revelator. Man, man, John is just taken back. This is at the end of the book of Revelation, he is overwhelmed. He is taken back. He saw the worship, he saw the praise, he saw all these things transpiring. And listen what he says. And I fell down and worshiped before the feet of the angel, which showed these things. Now listen what the angel says. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant. And of thy brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep these sayings of this book. And he stopped and he said, Worship God. He said, Wow, man, he, he had it way off. Before you judge John in this passage, he got in the presence of a lot of holy, exciting, worshipful things. He began in the middle of that to put his affection and his attention still on the wrong thing. I'm glad you're here today, but who did you come to worship? I'm glad you're here today, but what did you come to worship? I'm not just talking about Sunday morning at 11. Who will you be worshiping next Saturday? What will you be worshiping tomorrow morning? Where will you be and what will you be doing when it comes to the praise that God's put in your mind when you walk through the world this week? He got it wrong. There's a war raging for our worship. Colossians 3.1 says, If ye, then being risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And he said, set your affection on things above, not On things on this earth. So we're going to take a test today. You guys ready? We're going to take a test today. My points are the test. The message will be next week. We're we're, we're going to lay out our hearts. We're going to examine ourselves before God. Of who do you worship? This is a powerful story. I love this story. It's debated of who this story is about. I, I got into this long study about who it was. I thought, man, that's not the point. Luke 7, 36. I know I had a long introduction. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. It's pretty cool. I mean, to have the Messiah, this God, and you're going to say, well, he wanted... I'm going to tell you guys about what we're about to read. I don't think he believed that God was God. I don't believe that he believed that Jesus was the one coming to visit with them by the way that he acted. And he went into the Pharisee's house, and he sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears, with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet. And anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, listen to this. (laughs) I don't know who this guy is. But if he was God, and he puts his stipulation on this, because God didn't react the way he thought he should react, would have known who and what manner of woman this was. It was that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. He say, why is this important? Because I tell you, every verse in the Bible is important. I mean, I, I tell you, we, we studied Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, and we walked through that first chapter. Every step, everything that God gives us is important because God wants us to learn something. I'm telling you, if you guys right now say, I want to learn, I'll tell you one: if it begins with worship, I want to know how to worship my God. God says, all right, give him that passage. Tell about that girl that I said would be a memorial for generations to come. If you read the last of the chapter, he said, I'll tell you what this girl did. I'm going I'm to let the world know for a memorial for years to come of what this girl did with her worship. Most of you know the story, but the Bible says this woman that came in was a sinner. And you say, all right, we're all sinners. No, not. If you read the description of what they were saying of if he knew this woman and her reputation and all that other stuff, She was known as the prostitute. I mean, she was a woman of the streets. She was not one, and she could never have invited Jesus into her house. Jesus could not have gone with his reputation. I'm very thankful that God loves sinners. She comes in during this meal and falls at his feet to worship, and it was a big deal to God. I'm going to tell you guys right now, a lot of the things that we do don't budge God at all. You can go through the motions, put on the show, you can do the act, and the God says, "You know what?" God pointed out in this passage. He said, "You know that guy thought within himself, isn't it? How do we? How do we know what he thought within himself?" The Pharisee, God was sitting there saying, "Dude, I know what you're thinking." And let me tell you, at the same time as that woman was standing at the door thinking, I have no reason to come in, or I have no invitation to come in, but I greatly desire in the presence of God, God knew her heart too. Let me show you the contrast between these two people. Like I said, we're just touching on this, and then we're going to hit it really hard next week. Look at verse 44, 44, chapter 7. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered in thy house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, the greeting that they would have did to welcome somebody in that you loved and respect. But this woman, since the time that I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with oil. He sat in the very presence of God and did nothing to engage in the worship of his God. He did nothing to honor God. He did nothing of himself. Actually, if you were probably to know the full story, you'd find out that he came there to see what he could get from this guy. Not what he could give to this guy. God was not pleased with this man's worship. And I'll tell you why. It was a very casual encounter. He went through the motions of hosting this guest, but he did not recognize that who he came to worship was God, and his worship did not impress God whatsoever. Last week, I, I got on this thing about our apathy, and guys, this is a big deal. When, when Revelation, when we study that passage, how God said, I am tired of this generation not being hot or, uh, hot or cold, he said, you were lukewarm, and I'll spit you out of my mouth. And I think, what is, what is that like when it comes to our worship? And I'm, I'm going to get into this here in a minute and explain more, but I'm going to tell you guys right now, this flippant attitude, and, and like I said, we're not talking about singing. You've got that in. You've got to set that aside. You get your worship right. It will come out of your mouth, but it's got to be in your heart first. It's got to be in your mind. It's got to, it's got to be in your daily walk. And, you know, end up preaching further messages, there was another woman that Jesus came encounter with. He came encounter in, uh, in John chapter 4 with this woman that came to the well. And they talked about worshiping Jesus on that mountain. And Jesus turned around and said, they that worship me was worship me in spirit and in truth. God changed the worship to where it wasn't just an outward act. It was an inward thing. Spirit and in truth in your heart and minds. Just because we get the outward motions right doesn't mean anything is going on in your life. We can put on an act. You can go to the concert. You can wave your arms. You can bring in the biggest family Bible you got. It doesn't mean you worship the one true God. Something was going on, and it was drastically different between these two people in this passage. Who or what do you worship? Answer one of these two questions. Number one, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? What is the theme of your life? What is the passion of your life? What gets you motivated? What gets you excited? What, what do you give to? What do you love? What do you invest your time and energy and passions in? What do you seek? There's a lot of things that move us. And I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll give you guys, an, you can judge me for this, I'll give you an example of this. I was excited about last night's football game. I, I put it on my calendar. I, I told Jen, I said, it's a playoff game. It's on Saturday night. I don't have anything else going on. I, I, I told her, I said, let's play in dinner to eat before. I, I was excited, okay? Cardinals are going up against the Green Bay Packers. number of weeks ago, they played each other. Green Bay Packers lost 38 to 8. It was a horrible game. And this was a rematch. And you say, where are you going with it? Let, let me tell you. I, I plan dinner, my day, my schedule, everything around because I want it. I got there. We, we had our food. We cheered. We shouted. At the end of the game, it was seven seconds left on the clock. Aaron Rodgers throws a Hail Mary. It's like 60, 70 yards. Catches it in the end zone. Game comes to the close. Time is out. It's 20 to 20. Goes in the overtime. And then we lost, but we're not talking about that. <laughs> it's not their point. We lost in one play. It's like boom. Okay, we're done. All right, still so cool. There is nothing wrong with what I did last night, but if it overshadows what I did today, it's dead wrong. It's wrong. See, I want to know what. What do you strive for? What do you want to see? What What do you love? What do you What do you do? See. A lot of times we get more excited and we plan out more of what we're going to do with a football game than we do what we're going to do with our God. We, 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 we will plan, we will pay, we will sit, we will go, we will sit on a, a little bench in the snow, in the rain. We will be uncomfortable, we'll do that, we'll scream, we'll shout, it goes in the overtime when we stand up. The pastor can preach toward the past 12, uh, 12 o'clock and we're saying, what is he doing? Here he goes. I asked the question, what are you seeking? See, these two people came and they, they wanted two different things. But I can tell you, she wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. Her encounter was playing That says when she knew that Jesus was going to be in that place and she's standing there going, I'm a sinner, I'm a prostitute. There's nothing about the Pharisees or nothing about this man of God that would ever invite me. But I tell you what, I want to be at his feet. She had an internal craving, a desire that not even her reputation or any of the arguments could get in the way. I want to be there. I find a lot of Christians that have no craving, no craving to be at the feet of Jesus. No desire. And I'm I'm not going to read into this, but guys, let me ask you a question. Let me talk to the men for a second. Why is it that most of the stories that I studied in the Bible of people being at the feet of Jesus were about women and not about men? All right, let's just take it further. Why is it that men are willing on their day off to get up at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning to crawl into the woods, climb a deer stand, sit up there while it snows and rains and icicles on their beard and face and sit there and try to shoot Bambi for the next six hours so you can drag a dead carcass out of the woods and possibly hang its antlers on your your thing and you're just, that's that's living, that's life, that's whatever. And yet you complain about getting up on Sunday to go with your wife to church. Notice you guys are being awfully quiet. (laughs) The women are having revival in here, but the women, the guys are like, We will drag golf clubs all day in the blistering heat take off the sunglasses and you look like some sort of alien (laughs) sit there and, and, and do a horrible game and your wife says it'd be great if you'd pray with the kids honey do you know how tired I am you go after what you love you do whatever your passion is It's amazing how Jesus is not even on the radar of affection. So many men and women don't desire the things of God. If you did, you'd seek Him in His Word. You'd Seek Him at home. Now I'm not talking about just on Sunday. I'm saying in your personal walk with God. You'd want to know Him. You'd want to know more about Him. When's the last time that you just parked your car and just sat there and said, Lord, I need you. I need you in my family. Lord, I need you. I want so desperately, rather than all the things that are going on in the world, I not care what everybody else thinks, Lord, I just want to be at your feet. I want to be in your presence. I want to feel the anointing of God. I want to feel the touch of God. I want that more than I want anything. Have you lost your desire to know him, to be with him, To hear his words and to touch the very even if it's just the feet of Jesus. If you don't something else, it's not a matter if if you worship, it's what are you worshiping instead? Because your job or your money or that sport or activity or that habit or whatever it is has taken the place and become the object of the affection of your life. Check yourself this week. What do you wake up thinking about? Well, what, what are you going to strive to do and see? What are you going to invest in? What do you love? What do you want in your life? Next question, which we'll close with this. This question, I, I, I promise you, I battled with this one. until I read it over and I said, Lord, help me. What's, what am I missing here? So I'm going to ask you this question. What, what satisfies you? This woman lived with an empty life. She worked the streets search for love, trying to survive. Isn't it amazing that the woman at the well has the same story? And the Bible says in Luke 7, verse 38, and notice these words, and stood at his feet behind him weeping. Imagine this. The way that they would sit at a table, they would kneel down and their feet would go behind them so that they would do that. So she comes in behind Jesus. You can imagine the awkwardness because we already know how the other ones that were there viewed her. Unworthy, undeserving, I definitely don't deserve to be in my house. And you definitely don't deserve to be at this man's feet. You can imagine as she walks in and she stands there. And the Bible says she stood there doing what? Weeping. Tears coming down her. I, I don't know. When or what? The, the, was it the overwhelming of being in his presence? Was it the idea of her sin? Was it the idea of being unworthy? Was it the idea that the fact that Jesus didn't send her away? What made her weep? I don't know. But I can tell you this. The, the tears started before she even hit her knees. Guys, let me tell you. If your desire is to be in the presence of God when you get there, it will change you. Golf. Will never satisfy you like your relationship with God. Sports, you can work that job, climb that ladder, get that position, step over the other guys, whatever it is. And I promise you, when you get there, you will not be happier than where you were. There's a void in your life, there's an emptiness in your heart. All those men that she was with, same thing with the woman at the well, none of them ever filled the void. But all of a sudden, when she got in the presence of God and she denied herself and humbled herself, knowing that I know that they're going to look at me, possibly even whisper, Get out of here. What are you doing? Making the motions or whatever. No, I want to be here. The tears began to flow. She fell on her face and began to wash his feet with her tears. And had wiped them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. She began to pour out tears on Jesus. Kiss his feet and give him her love. Pour out her ointment and give what she had. It's so different than the way we worship. So I challenge you, pray, man, seek the face of God. So this is how it starts. Lord, I need, I want, I want, I want. If I could have bigger, better, this, that, and and you know what we do? This This is what our prayers look like to God. Gimme, 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 gimme. I'm telling you, we do this a lot of times on Sunday. We walk into this room or a class or wherever it is, and we walk in with what I want, what I think, what I... It's gimme, 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 gimme. But every time we find someone that actually got satisfied, it's when they bowed at the feet of Jesus and they begin to pour out back on Him. The one that had the least is the one that gave the most. I don't know what your excuse is here today, your background or whatever, but I'll tell you this, God is totally overwhelmed and enjoying and satisfied with the worship regardless of the money you have or the car that you drive. Let me show you what she found. Talk about finding satisfaction. You know why this world is empty and craving? Watch this, verse 47. She found acceptance at the feet of Jesus. Jesus. Wherefore, I say unto thee, I'm talking to this Pharisee. You can imagine this girl not knowing what's going through the mind of God. And and she is sitting there weeping and probably feeling like, you you girls know what it's like when you weep and, you know, I'm not saying that she had the mascara and everything, but she probably didn't look like the most presentable person. And wherefore, I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. Can you imagine? The first thing she found was acceptance at the feet of Jesus. When she might have been waiting, saying, You know what? This woman is a sinner. Or this woman shouldn't be here. Or this woman is this or that. No, Jesus said, No, she is a child of God. She came here for something and she got it. Second thing that you find, she found forgiveness at the feet of Jesus. It goes on for whom she loved. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And, she, and he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. It's amazing how your life changes and the guilt and the pain and the frustration that God takes off of you when you're at his feet. And let me tell you, the Pharisee probably had a heap bigger amount of sins in his life. You said, well, he wasn't the prostitute that came in there. I tell you, you don't have to be a prostitute to have your life full of sin. There's a lot of people that walk in the church every week with a dirty mind and a dirty heart and bitterness and anger and they spent the whole week running people down and cutting people off and nothing going on in your life that resembles God whatsoever. Pharisee probably thought he had it all figured out and God turns around and he is in love with this girl's worship. She found forgiveness at the feet of Jesus. in Verse 49, and they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this to forgive sins also? And he said unto the woman, thy faith have saved thee. Go in peace. She found peace at the feet of Jesus. I, I'm talking, if you're here today, you've never encountered Jesus like this. I'm saying of accepting him as your Lord and Savior. You'll never experience anything in that world like you'll experience coming to know Jesus. You'll never have peace. You'll never know what it means to have that weight of sin and guilt and shame taken off of you. You'll never know until you come and humble yourself at the feet of Jesus. Well, let me tell you, Christians, and I know the bulk of you sitting there. And I, I see your faces every week and I love you. And We're a church family. Well, let me tell you this. You can do the motions of what we do every week and still not have the peace. Still walk through life with guilt because of those hidden and besetting sins that you have in your life. Still not have what is described in this passage until you learn to worship and fall and humble yourself before the Almighty God. So my question once again is, what are you worshiping? What is the center of your affection?